following program is being brought to you on the Seventh Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit SeventhWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Good afternoon, and welcome to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Over the next hour, you'll learn how to see your true self in the midst of life's twists and turns. You'll be challenged to think outside of the box when it comes to the mysteries of life. Now, here's your host, Andrea Matthews. Good afternoon, and welcome to the Authentic Living Show. We were scheduled today to talk to Dr. Clarissa Pinkola Estes, uh, about her wonderful book, Untie the Strong Woman. But I was notified last night that she had a family emergency and will not be here today. So we will be scheduling her for another time. She's been, this would have been her fifth time to come on the show. Um, I think she likes us uh, probably almost, not quite, very, probably a, a, a wide expanse of difference actually between uh, how much she likes us and we like her. But we really like her and we want to have her back. So we will be looking forward to that opportunity. We're going to give her a few days to process through whatever's going on there and and uh, reconnect and try to see if we can get her back scheduled. That said, we are interviewing... Um, Don Miguel Ruiz next week on the show uh, regarding his upcoming event at Teotihuacan, the place where we awake and become God. And he's going to be doing a ceremony there with regard to uh, 12, 21, 12, which is uh, the awakening uh, ceremonies. And it's going to be called Awaken the Giant. So we're going to be talking about that next week uh, with Don Miguel Ruiz. So don't miss that. So this week, I had a special request for um, to do a show on how to heal from trauma and abuse. And um, I took this opportunity, though we did not promote it uh, because of the emergency situation of Dr. E, um, to talk about how it is that we begin to heal from trauma and abuse. Um, there's a couple of basic tenets that we have to understand with regard to trauma and abuse that are uh, in, in really important to the healing process. The first is um, sometimes trauma is an automobile accident, but very often it is also it involves another person. So to the degree that trauma is related to an external more or less objectified events such as an automobile accident, although you can say, well, somebody ran a red light and they did that to me, et cetera, et cetera. It's not as personal as the trauma that's related to physical abuse uh, conducted by somebody that we love, whether it's a parent or a sibling or whatever, or sexual abuse from a perpetrator that we know and or love um, and so, uh, and love. And so it, it, it's really important for us to make that distinction. Also, war as a trauma is, uh, can be very, very personal. Even though we are fighting with an enemy, we are in the war. I've heard very often survivors of war talk about how 
they are processing information internally all the time and it feels like they are alone in the midst of it even though they've got comrades they can't really get too close to the comrades for fear they'll lose the comrades so that long-term traumatic event of of the fear of death and the fear of losing others to death is uh can have uh some devastating effects as well but i think today i think the the main thing we're going to be talking about is how to heal from trauma that is has to do with a physical um sexual form of abuse and also physical abuse so we're going to be talking about that and and uh and we're going to also bring in some experts to talk about that on another date we have talked about it in the past uh Michelle uh Rosenthal has been on the show before and he she's talked about it we also had the hero's journey on um, another time, so you can look for that in our archives. You will find that we have discussed this topic before and uh, covered it uh, for uh, specific purposes um, on those dates, too. So, okay, what do we mean by uh, abuse? Abuse, physical abuse, is anything, any kind of physical harm that comes about as a result of somebody else's uh violence toward us so it can be a pin pinch a kick a hair pull a jab uh you know uh a shove and typically uh, abuse leaves some kind of mark now there are people out there who know how to abuse without leaving a mark and um and uh, and I wouldn't say that in the early stages of abuse, it always has to leave a mark. So when somebody sho- a man shoves his wife, for, exa- for instance, she might not get a bruise off of that. Um, but later down the road, she will because his abuse gets worse and worse. But when it comes to children growing up in homes of abuse, typically the definition of abuse is uh, engendered by physical marks, um, welts bruises, cuts, burns, those kinds of things that show up as physical abuse. Um, So physical abuse can be determined and defined by its evidence. Sexual abuse, on the other hand, is not so clear, specifically when it's not reported um, right after the event. So, uh, So if a child is sexually abused, there may be no evidence whatsoever. On the other hand, there are times when uh, children are sexually abused in such malicious and violent ways that there are definitely physical signs of that. Okay, so just I just want to kind of get a definition of that. There's all kinds of other abuse that can happen in a home when children are growing up. Emotional abuse, mental abuse, um, spiritual abuse. Um, emotional abuse is when somebody sort of toys with your emotions. Come here, go away is one of those games where they, they draw you close, they draw you in, they want you close, they want you and they, they need you. But then uh, after you get really close, they push you away in some kind of way that says, get away from me, I don't really want you around, or is uh, overtly says that even, just get away from me. Um that kind of game sometimes is played by parents who are immature and don't know how to handle intimacy. So they, when children, and children want to be intimate with us, and that's not sexual. That is, they want to be close to us, they want to know us, they want to 
um, be up under our armpits. They want to feel safe and loved and comforted and snuggled with and all of that. So children require intimacy as a part of their uh, mental, emotional, physical well-being. But sometimes parents are very threatened by that because they have some kind of intimacy issue, maybe stemming from their own childhood. And so they do that come here, go away thing, and the child is violated emotionally by that. Uh, so that's emotional abuse, an example of emotional abuse. There are several others, but that's one. Um, mental abuse is when you play mental games. So um, if you try to trick somebody, uh, into believing something that's not true or you try to lie to them and tell them something that you know is utterly false uh, to uh, to get them to behave in a certain way. Um, the combination of mental and emotional abuse very often leads to something we call brainwashing. So children can grow up in a home where they are brainwashed because they get the come here, go away. They can come here as long as they're mentally compliant with the abuser and they get to go away. They're sent off, abandoned emotionally when they don't comply with the mental demands of their abuser. So, uh, and then what that teaches the child is that I must think and feel what my abuser wants me to think and feel, or else I will not be able to have them in my life. So the fear of abandonment crowds out any original thinking or original feeling, and that's how brainwashing begins to occur. And so eventually the person begins to believe, think, talk, walk, act, smell, everything, just like their abuser, and they don't know that that process is even happening because it's so subtle. Um, But what they've done is given up their sense of self for the perpetrator in order to have a relationship with the perpetrator. And the perpetrator may or may not know exactly how the techniques are working, but they know that they have to get this person to comply because they need this person to comply. And this is often what happens in cults where a a child or a teenager's emotional needs are brought to the surface so that they can be manipulated by the so-called leader. So... Um, that that combination of mental and emotional abuse can often be uh, related to mind control or brainwashing. So, okay, in the sense that we have, um, we can lose ourselves to somebody else's emotional and mental abuse. We can also lose ourselves to someone's men, uh, physical and sexual abuse and/or sexual abuse. The way that happens is we identify with it. And that's what I really want to talk about today because that's the chief healing mechanism is to work with identity, um, in my view, viewing it anyway. There's a lot that's been written out there uh, um, about the brain chemistry and how it changes in the midst of trauma and how we can develop a sort of um, reactive sort of button inside of ourselves based on that brain chemistry. And I I certainly would encourage you to read some of that material. If you're curious about that, you can go on Google or Bing or wherever you go to look up words like brain chemistry and trauma, and you'll see a lot that's been written. Um, And uh, research is ongoing about that, particularly with regard to war trauma. And uh, so you, you, you can find those correlatives And knowing that does help us get information about what's going on in the brain so that we can begin to soothe and and help ourselves pass the trauma. My theory, however, is that it's bigger than that. It's bigger than brain chemistry. It's about identity. 
and we and the reason it's about identity is is because we can identify with all kinds of things around and through the trauma of being physically physically abused um mentally or emotionally abused or sexually abused in that um, we've already said how you can brainwash using emotional and mental abuse in a combination. You can also, uh, just by being the perpetrator of sexual trauma and also being someone that the child loves, you can, uh, the child may very often suspend an identification with him or herself in order to identify with the perpetrator. So how does that work? If, if I'm a child and my father is sexually abusing me, then I've got a whole lot of emotions going on while that's happening. Something in me knows it's wrong. Another part of me uh, may physically respond to it. Um, another part of me may uh, be uh, drawn into the, the charismatic overtures, grooming overtures of my father. Another part of me may be going, this is my father, how could he be doing this? Another part of me going, yeah, but this is my daddy and I love him and so what that he's doing this? You know, he's my daddy. So all of those things are happening all at the same time in the mind of the child who's being sexually traumatized very often and and where does that, where how do you settle that? How do you resolve that? One of the ways to resolve that is to become the perpetrator in your own mind. Um, Daddy didn't do anything wrong. I must have done something wrong. I'm a bad person because look what I've done. Um, and if I can be a better person, and here's the convoluted part of it, if I can be a better person, maybe Daddy will stop doing that. Or maybe Daddy will just love me more. Or maybe Daddy will um, groom me harder. Whatever. I want to be close to my father. And that's the confusing element. So that's how we can lose ourselves in it. So there's more to it than just um, just the trauma itself. There's more to it than the physical trauma. There's more to it than the emotional drama. Um, it, it, what The biggest element of it I think is that we can identify with it and we can do the same thing with physical abuse if my mother is physically abusing me and I'm just using different genders just for the heck of it here it could be either way but um, uh, if my mother is physically abusing me then I might identify with her by saying I'm causing the problem here I'm I'm being a bad child, therefore my mother has to hit me. My mother's still being this good parent that I've imagined her to be. And I'm using good and bad ter- uh, words here, uh, relatively speaking, but this is how a child very often thinks, that I'm being the bad child, therefore my mother has to hurt me to make me stop. And I, I very often hear this when I when I see clients or even talk to people on on uh, who are listeners to this show or, or who are readers who say, um, yeah, my father abused me, but I deserved it. You know, they kind of make that excuse. They even laugh when they say it. Yeah, my father abused me, but I deserved it. Um, here's the deal. I'm going to say this a couple of times throughout. Nobody ever, ever, ever deserves to be abused, period, end of subject. There's nothing else to be said about that. No one ever deserves to be abused. I don't care how what they've done. Certainly a child does not deserve to be abused by their parent. Um, and hitting a child, and I'll just go this far, hitting a child says to the child this one thing, I am bigger than you. 
and you will do what I want you to do because I'm bigger than you. You won't ever have to learn anything about your own choices or the consequences thereof. You won't have to discover why you do the things you do. You won't have to look inside of yourself to learn more about your own behaviors. No, all you need to know is that I'm bigger than you. And that's it. That is not discipline. Discipline teaches people how to, how to grow into themselves, how to live life in an effective and happy way. Uh, physically hitting someone, whether you call it abuse or not, whether it leaves a mark or not, is um, by a parent is not going to teach them anything except that you're bigger than them. And maybe that's the easy way for you. Maybe you want to say, well, I, yeah, I am bigger than them, and so they should do what I want. Okay, but that's the easy way. The hard way that really does teach children how to be responsible adults is the better way. It takes more time, it takes more energy, it takes more creativity, it takes more love, but it works better. So talking to children and really helping them understand what's going on with their behavior um, is much better for them and really uh, consequences, natural and logical consequences for their behavior is much better and we'll talk some more about that in just a few minutes. But uh, the point I'm trying to make here is that hitting very often leads to physical abuse, so um, I recommend avoiding it all the time, that we don't hit our children. There's many other ways to discipline a child without hitting them. So, all right. Now, having said that, the whole issue of identity is crucial. Why is it crucial? Because what I identify with is who I'm going to live out. I'm going to live out of what I identify with. If I think I'm a bad person, that's what I'm going to live out. Either I'm going to have to overcompensate for my badness by being extra, extra good, which means I'm probably going to sacrifice myself on the altar of pleasing other people, or I'm going to be very bad and I'm going to act that out in ways that affirm my badness so that I can say, yeah, okay, I really do exist. At least I'm here. At least I'm something. At least I'm not nothing. I'd rather be bad than be nothing. And that's what can happen very often with that identity. So, uh, and that's just a couple of the ways we can identify. But the point is that I've taken on something that isn't me in order to survive that traumatic uh, or abusive event or several, uh, a chain of abusive events. So those, those realities make identity an extremely important factor in surviving, not only surviving, but in healing abuse and uh, trauma. So we're going to talk some more about that right after the break. Stay tuned for more right after this. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Many of us make choices in our lives based on how others react. But what should really matter is making our life choices based on what we intuitively feel. By tuning in to The Mystic and the Mystery with Inspired Intuition hosts Beth Porosik and Christine McIver, you'll receive the tools and inspiration you need to do just that. Your fears do not have to drive you, and you are naturally intuitive, creative, and whole. By believing in yourself, you can live the life you've been longing for. Listen for The Mystic and the Mystery every Wednesday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Do you ever ask yourself, Why am I here? What is my purpose in life? What do I do next? 
Life energies are based on the chakras, and this is the foundation of holistic healing. Find the balance in your life by tuning in to Healing Possibilities with your host, Tracy Makarenko. Through engaging guests and Tracy's spiritual guidance, each week we'll explore a different modality of healing designed to help you find peace and wholeness. Listen every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Step into the doorway to conscious choice, greater health, and well-being. Attain the balance that you've been seeking. Tune in and turn on 1111 Talk Radio. Feed the mind. Embrace positively. Release the tension. Step out of fear. Host Simran Singh will help you broaden your mind and open your heart toward a greater understanding of how to take charge of your life. 1111 Talk Radio is here every Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific Time on 7th Wave Network. 1111 Talk Radio. Because shift happens. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Be extraordinary. Be the change. You're listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now, toll free. 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthewslpc.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. And the Authentic Living Show is now sponsored by the American Institute of Holistic Theology. You may wonder what the terms holistic theology mean. Well, theology is the study of the divine, and holistic theology is a holistic study of the divine that includes all religions and even transcends religion. The American Institute of Holistic Theology offers doctorate, master's, and ministerial bachelor's degrees, chaplaincy programs with internships, NBCC-approved continuing education, and a brand-new Ph.D. program in holistic theology. AIHT's programs include degrees in the following, Holistic Theology, offering as terminal degrees both a THD and a PhD, Holistic Ministries, Holistic Health and Spiritual Care, Metaphysical Spirituality, and Alternate Spiritual Traditions, which includes in-depth studies in the paranormal. Using a home study model for distance learning, the student of AIHT gets a thorough education in the field that fulfills and offers a chance to authenticate a unique gift for the world. Want to know more? Go to www.aiht.edu or contact Admissions Director Beverly Love at 800-650-4325. Start today getting a degree you can be proud of that will kickstart that career you've always dreamed of using for your own special gift to the world. And we're talking today about how to heal from trauma and abuse. And what we've said thus far is that there are various kinds of trauma and various kinds of abuse and uh, that the biggest issue with regard to how to, how, what, both what happens during the trauma and the abuse and how to heal the abuse is identity. So what do we mean by identity? Well, you know, if I have a, a name tag, I work at a bank, so say I work at a bank and I wear a name tag that says Andrea Matthews, banker extraordinaire. Well, what that means essentially is that I believe 
that that's who I am while I'm while I'm there. Now that's sort of a metaphor, but I believe that that's who I am while I'm there. Now, if I take off that badge or that name tag at the end of the day and I leave it at work, then what I'm saying is now I'm putting on another identity. Now I'm going to go home and be mother, wife, whatever. You know, I'm going to be at home. Uh, and but if I leave that name tag on and I go home and I'm still banker extraordinaire at home, then all I can do at home is manage money. All I can do at home is manage the economy of a home in all its metaphorical terms because that's what I see, how I see myself. And that's all I'm going to be able to do. It's a caricature of who I am. It's not who I really am. And most of us, if you've been listening to the show for any length of time, you know that I believe that most of us have put on a mask and costume at an early age um, out of a sort of imprinting with the design our parents have for us. And uh, we put that on and we wear it and wear it and wear it and wear it until and unless we get in enough pain to recognize that the problem is the mask and costume. Um, so if we, if I say become a victim of a trauma or abuse, I could identify as victim. That's certainly one option available to me. And it's going to be partly dependent on my natural personality, my natural inclinations. But it's also going to be dependent on what I see is going to work best in this particular family of origin. So if I think it works best uh, to become a victim and just be a victim because that somehow keeps me safe from further victimhood, then that's what I'll do. And I will then go take that victimhood out into the world and I'll be a victim at school. Later I'll be a victim at work and later I'll be a victim in my relationships because that's what I know how to be. So how is a victim a victim in, in, in work, for example? Well, my work is harder than everyone else's and I do uh, more and they, and they don't appreciate me and nobody here likes me and, and, you know, I, life is harder for me than it is for other people and they just don't understand. That's the kind of mantra that goes with being the victim. And uh, if I'm a victim in relationships, I'm very likely to get victimized again, be abused again in a, in a relationship. So that's a rather dangerous identity to take hold of. But you can see how healing that identity might also begin to heal the traumas and the, and the abuse. So we'll talk more about that healing aspect in just a few minutes. In the same way, as we said a little while ago, if I'm... Um, if I'm physically abused, say, by my father, and I believe that um, he's bigger than me and I have to do what he wants or he's really going to hurt me, then I've probably got some pretty significant anger about that somewhere inside me. And I may or may not know it, and I, I may or may not decide to act on it. But if I decide to act on it, what I might do is go somewhere else, find somebody smaller than me, and become the bully with them. So now my father is my bully and I'm someone else's bully. And so what I do is I become very much like my father out in the world and I start picking on other people. Now, not only is that going to um, eventually collapse on me so that I won't have many real friends. I may have followers, but I won't have any real friends and I, and I won't have real intimacy, real closeness. Uh, genuineness, interactive, uh, genuine interactive dynamics with other people. That's not going to happen. I'll miss out on all that. And I have a view of myself that views me as a 
pretty, I'm, I, I think, consciously, I think I'm a pretty tough guy, but unconsciously and maybe a little mix of consciousness in there, I probably think I'm a bad guy too. So, um, I can identify with that. I can identify with the scapegoat. I'm the guilty party here. I'm the bad one. My father, my mother, my whoever my perpetrator was, was, uh, is innocent. I'm guilty. And, um, they couldn't help it. They just were overwhelmed. They had too much to do or, you know, they didn't really do anything bad. They're just being parents or whatever. However, however I rationalize that in my mind, what I'm saying to myself is I'm the problem. And if I grow up believing that, I'm like I said, I'm going to either compensate for that by trying very hard to be very, very good to people, uh, hoping that they won't reject or abandon me, and, uh, and, and that they'll like me and I'll be included, or I'll, I'll identify with the bad and I'll start acting it out and, and in order to be, because that's the only thing I know to be, then that's who I am and the only way to keep proving that I'm bad so that I can be, so that I can exist, is to keep doing badder and badder things. So that eventually I become a really bad dude. Or dudette, how you want to see that. So uh, that that essentially defines me. And that's the danger in these traumatic uh, uh, abusive situations is that they define us if we let them. And if, and if we're not taught to do otherwise, we're very likely to let them. Because that in and of itself is a survival technique. We, we become, if I become the victim, I'm doing so to keep myself safe. If I become the bully, then I'm not so small that I can't have a helping of strength too. So I'm surviving on that bully identity. Um, I, if I'm, if I become the scapegoat either as a black sheep, a bad guy, or a, scapegoat priest good guy then i'm gonna um be doing that as a way of surviving the emotional sense that i'm abandoned if i don't so and that's just a few examples of how that works so if i'm going to be alive in this particular family of origin i'm going to have to do that now we haven't spoken of spiritual abuse and i want to talk about that for a minute because one of the things that i hear extremely often surprisingly often is that parents are who are hyper religious extremely dogmatic and fundamentalistic um in the uh, in a traditional way will also beat their children um, will also physically mentally and emotionally abuse their children and uh, what happens then is that the child is told what they should believe and, and told that they will, will go to hell if they don't believe that. So there's punishment on the other end of life. Um, now here's a young, vulnerable child at four, five, six, seven years old hearing that death will come and that death brings the possibility of eternal hell and that, um, and that the father or the mother or the abusive person has the, the strings to the purse to, that leads, has the little tokens in it that can get them to heaven. So the child is beat in order to, uh, you know, beat the evil out of them. And that's what the parent thinks. What the child thinks is, I must be evil. And so that's what makes it spiritual abuse. The other thing that makes it spiritual abuse is that it is, um, it becomes identity. It becomes uh, a way of viewing all of life. It becomes a worldview and it becomes a person. I view myself in this way. This is who I am. 
and the struggle with life ensues from that identity. And therefore, it is spiritual abuse. Spiritual abuse tells people what to believe. It does not ask them. It does not enable them to explore. It does not leave any room for exploration. It tells people what to believe and how to view life. And it threatens them if they don't. That's spiritual abuse. And those kind of threats can happen on all kinds of levels. And certainly we've seen some examples of that um, in recent years when, uh, when, when people actually died as a result of following someone, um, a cult leader or a spiritual leader of some kind, to death. Because the leader was saying, this is what we need to do to cleanse you, to make you whole, to, you know, make life okay, whatever. Um, so, uh, in that sense then, from a more fundamental kind of way of looking at abuse in general, it's all spiritual abuse. Because what happens is that we identify with something that isn't who we are, we cease to think original thoughts, we live in a dogmatic world where fear uh, rules us, and it's fear of abandonment, fear of getting caught, fear of being abused, fear of coming home and seeing dad or mom in a bad mood again and getting the brunt of that, you know, fear, it's a fearful existence, and it changes who how we see ourselves. Who am I now? I'm this big ball of fear who is only doing what she has to do to stay alive. And that that premise, in fact, does keep many of us alive. And we arrive at the doorstep of adulthood going, okay, I know who I am now. I'm this person who does these things. I often have people come in to see me and they say, well, I'm, I'm you know, I'm a good person. I'm, I don't know why I'm so anxious and so depressed because I really think I'm a pretty good person. I do really good things for people and I'm, I'm kind and I'm generous and I, and I, and I really care about people and I want them to be happy. And so I don't, I don't understand. I don't really understand why I should be so anxious and depressed. Well, when we explore that, what we find out is that person is not really doing good deeds, so to speak, based on genuineness. It's not coming from real compassion or even real passion. It's coming from a should, an ought to, a have to, and under that is a fear that is the the vital push to do everything else that they do in their lives. And very often, this comes from abuse, although it doesn't always, at least not physical or, or sexual abuse. So, okay, so that's how 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 we survive it. Now, how do we heal it? Okay, so if I believe that I'm something I'm not, then the healing is going to be me finding out who I really am. How would that heal the actual traumas? Because I let go of any identification with it. I let go of the, the, the thing that says, here's what defined me from that moment forward. And that in and of itself heals us. We are no longer the product of our environment. We are no longer the product of abuse or sexual trauma or emotional mental abuse or, or spiritual abuse. We're no longer just a survivor. We're a person who has a, a wide expanse of various aspects of how it's going, how they see the world and how they see life in general. And uh, they begin to uh, integrate a new concept of life into uh, what has been a little tiny square black box that had a very tight ceiling uh, and very hard walls. Uh, 
Yeah, so in that process of finding out who we are, what happens is uh, we're if da- if daddy sexually abused me, for example, then and I have seen myself ever after that as someone who had to please all the father figures in my life in order to make sure that they wouldn't hurt me or that they wouldn't go away. And a combination usually of both. Don't hurt me, but don't go away. Um, if you hurt me, don't go away, but, it, but, but, but please don't hurt me. And that combination um, is real convoluted and creates a complex. So if I'm going to heal from that, what I'm going to have to do is say, okay, I am the person that my father abused, but I was always a person. I just didn't know it. And and when I can become the person that I actually am, then in that very process, I'm sloughing off this snakeskin that held my father's fingerprints on it. I'm I'm letting go of the skin that I had that I thought was me, and I'm and I'm growing this new skin. If you've ever seen a snake molt, what they do is they take, they they develop new skin, and after they develop the new skin, the old skin falls away, and that's the exact same process of healing that we go through when we heal from sexual trauma or physical abuse, or um, emotional, mental, spiritual abuse. We begin to find who we are. So, okay, how does a person begin that process? Well, it generally begins by feeling the emotions we've avoided feeling. For example, a person who uh, has lived a lifetime identified as I'm the good person who sacrifices for other people and pleases other people and they never abandon me and they think I'm very selfless and they, they know me to be this giver of all givers. If I'm that person, I don't want to know that I also have a truckload of resentment living inside of me. Um, that is uh, trying to make me aware of it. I don't want to become aware of it because resentment is a bad feeling, right? And I'm a good person, so I don't have any bad feelings. I don't want to know that about myself. And so I resist the very thing that might heal me. I think of my resentment as bad instead of an opportunity to become more aware of what's really going on inside of me. So if I let myself just begin to feel the fringes of that resentment, I might begin to go, you know what, I'm doing a lot of stuff I don't really want to be doing. I'm doing a lot of stuff that really isn't true to who I am. Why am I doing that? Oh, I see that fear down in there that dictates my actions and that guilt that says I'm a bad person. Oh, now I'm beginning to connect the dots between these feelings and that abuse. And now I'm beginning to say, oh, but wait, I really want to stop doing these things. I don't like doing these things. They're not fun for me. I don't have any joy in them. And I'm not even doing them because I want to or because I have compassion for somebody else. I'm doing them because I think I should. And the only reason I really think I should is so they won't abandon me or, or so I won't be afraid. So if I can get with that and be with that, then I can begin to understand that I can let go of the fear too. And when I let go of the fear, then I become more aware that, oh, I've got this peaceful place inside of me that's really okay most of the time. Now there, there is some healing. There is some healing. You see how we got there was by folding back and folding back and folding back and folding back and folding back back till we get to the original feeling and then we get to something even deeper than that 
which is who we originally were before we ever had that original feeling. So we're going to be talking more about that original feeling right after the break. So stay tuned for more. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Are you feeling out of control? Are bad relationships, anger, depression, and lifestyle overwhelming you? You can choose to release the belief systems that have kept women stuck for years. Tune in to The Power of an Unstoppable Woman with Dr. Rose Backman as your host. Break free from the genetic beliefs that can cause sabotage. It's time to stand up for who you are and what you believe in no matter what. Listen every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Tune in to the Empowered Healer Show with Dr. Susan Allison. Our program will help you to heal yourself, support those around you, and enhance your work and your relationships. Healing can be physical, emotional, or spiritual, and it can be personal or collective for the healing of our planet. Dr. Allison and her guests will offer methods of healing that will go beyond your life and reach the lives of others. Tune in to the Empowered Healer Show, airing live every Thursday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern, on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. How can changing the patterns of energy help in your healing process? Listen every week for Intent Healing, Change Your Energy, Transform Your Life, with your host, Dr. Raji. Just by tuning in, you could be empowered to heal yourself and live the best life possible. Just by accessing and changing energy patterns through intent healing, you'll feel more relief, less pain, and a renewed sense of being. Tune in every Tuesday at 7 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Anyone can do this. Why not you? Be Visionary. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. You're listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now, toll free, 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthewslpc.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. And we're back with the last final segment of our show. I wanted to remind you that we're going to be interviewing Don Miguel Ruiz next next Wednesday. Uh, at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time. And uh, so I don't want you to miss that. So t- uh, come back to us at that point as well. Today we're talking about trauma and abuse and how one heals from those. And what we've discovered thus far is that um, identity is huge with regard to both how we survive a traumatic uh, childhood, a p- abusive childhood, but it's also very important with regard to how we heal it. And what we said just before the break was that when we start with a feeling, with, uh, with, with recognizing feelings that have been suppressed by what I would call the self-medication of a role, a mask and costume, 
then we begin to peel back the layers and get to something more true. Um, and let me give you another example. Let's take the bad guy. Let's take the um, the scapegoat black sheep. He's sort of absorbed the sins of his abusive parents, for example, and he believes that he's a bad guy, and he acts out being a bad guy. He steals things. He hits people. He harms people. He tricks people. He abuses people. He's a bad guy. Um, what he's got to do in order to stay uh, okay is to do more and more bad in order to prove to himself that he exists and to protect himself emotionally from any vulnerability to his his abuser. So he grows up with this identity, and as he grows up, he's done more and more bad to prove to himself how bad he is. Then one day he falls in love with somebody who would be shocked and um, even perhaps uh, um, spiritually abused by the idea that he's really a bad guy. And what this person sees in him is his love, his love for her. His love, let's say she's got a child. Let's say that the child, he, he sort of really falls in love with the child too and, and really wants to parent that child and be, it'd be something that most people would call a good parent. But he believes himself to be a bad guy. What is he going to do? Is he going to have to sabotage that relationship in order to stay alive? Or will this be an opportunity for him to begin to see himself differently? And I think we're being presented those opportunities all throughout our lives, but sometimes we're more conscious of them than others. This might be one of those times when he might become more conscious. Why? Because he really wants to be with this woman, and he really loves this child. And it changes his sense of himself. So now he begins to feel all those feelings he's suppressed. All the vulnerability of his childhood begins to come forth, and he begins to say, Oh, I was really scared. I I don't want this child that I love to ever experience anything like what I experienced. But I fear myself. I fear my own behaviors. What if I become like my father? What if I might do harm to this child because my father did harm to me? Now, we could stop right there and he could say, well, I'm just not going to hang out with these people. I'm going to sabotage this and I will leave because I'm really a bad guy and I can't be good, quote unquote, good and bad terms. Um, they, I, I've got to get away from them in order to protect them from me. I've certainly heard people say that. When I used to visit uh, jails many years ago, I heard people literally say, uh, Miss Matthews, you need to stay away from me. I'm a bad dude. Um, they were really seriously trying to protect me from them. Now, where did that come from? It came from something we would normally call good. It came from some compassionate part of them that didn't want to see me harmed. So... Where is that? You know, if I'm a bad dude, where's the good coming from? Where's what we call good coming from? You know, I don't like those terms bad and good, but they are very often used by children and, and incorporated into the identity. So that's why I have to use them today. But uh, so what am I going to do now? That's the challenge. And we are being faced with those many times every day. What, what, will, dif- what will I do different? Will I do the same thing? Will I feel my feelings? This is a perfect opportunity for this guy to go to therapy and really begin to find out what's going on inside. And I've seen people come into therapy and really be shocked 
totally shocked to find out that, in fact, there's this other whole person in there that has been completely negated under the mask and costume that was meant to help them survive. And, and to learn that I'm actually not a bad guy when I've thought all these years that I was might bring up other feelings, might bring up resentments toward dad, might bring up some sorrow for a childhood I missed out on. It might bring up some sadness that I never really got to connect to that dad I loved so much or that mom I loved so much who hurt me so badly. Uh, that these things are important. Why not? And this is what everybody is afraid of in this day and age. We don't want to come into therapy and just blame our parents. Okay, That's not what this is for. In order for us to find out who we really are underneath the mask and costume, we have to be able to find something else under there before we'll take it off. We will not just strip off that mask and costume and go, go boldly naked into that dark night. We will not do it. We will resist that, and we will not just take off the mask and costume unless there's something else under it we can trust. So we have to find that new stuff before we will ever take off the mask and costume. So when a an adult survivor of childhood abuse comes to see me and begins to take off the mask and costume, uh, or, or excuse me, let me say it differently, begins to find out who they are under the mask and costume, what that is is not an opportunity to blame their parents and say, oh, well, the reason I'm this way is because of them. They were horrible people and I hate them forever and, you know, all that stuff. Maybe I need to write them a long letter and take it home and tell them how horrible they treated me. Well, you know, maybe you might we need to say some of that. Maybe not. We'll see. But uh, the the deal is that I've got to feel those feelings. I have to get to know that little child I left behind. And that's not to say, oh, we got to go uh, uh, back into the past and relive it. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about that little child is in you right now. And right now, it has some feelings about right now. And that is what we want to get to. Because how we're living today is how that little child in survival mode taught us to live today. And when we're working with, I'm operating out of fear because if I don't please you, you'll go away. Or I'm operating out of fear that if I'm not a bad guy, then I won't survive my father's or my mother's abuse. Um, if, I, if I'm if i living out of fear that if I don't party all the time, then I'll have to settle down into a life that's, that's uh, pretty meaningless. If I don't, um, a fear that says if I don't... Um, run away if I don't go live in Ethiopia or someplace 3,000 or more miles away then I won't be safe if I don't run away from my emotions I won't be safe if I every time I have a fight with my husband I don't want to leave him I'm not safe that's the runaway identity okay so we could have all kinds of identities and they are operating out of the behest of that child who was trying to survive their uh, uh, abuse um, and now they're adults and now they can make adult decisions but they're not making adult decisions they're making decisions based on the old identity and so when they begin to realize the feelings about their own behavior what motivates them to do what they do they begin to have a dialogue with that child 
And it's that child who needs to come into the present, bringing with it the gifts of its own originality. And that's where we talk about that original person. The child who has feelings of resentment and anger is also saying, I need to feel safe, I need to feel loved, I need to feel okay, I need to feel like I've got some say-so about my life choices. These are the things I need. And when the adult me comes in dialogue with the child me, what happens is I begin to coalesce or integrate the two so that the child now becomes a new kind of leader in that it says, I need this. And the adult says, okay, let's go get it for you. Or the child says, I'm scared. And the adult says, well, okay, let's sit over here for a little while and talk about your fear and let's see if we can work past it. Um, these are the things that we, we are sort of reparenting ourselves. Um, and I, I use that term real loosely because sometimes people hear reparent, reparenting and they go, oh, God, no, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do what my parents did to me. But no, what I'm talking about is not reparenting in the same way they did, but to reparent ourselves in the way we always long to be parented by those people who did such a poor job of it. Um, and and that process includes something we call forgiveness, although I don't call it forgiveness. I call it acceptance. Because once I'm really safe and okay and I can find that original, original, the more most original me, which is peace, which is I'm okay, I, I, I'm really okay in here, I'm okay, where the roots of the tree are, where everything is just fine and no one has ever wounded me, that me, that original me is stronger than anything else on this planet. That original me is my ultimate healing and that's what I want to get to. I don't want to just get to the child who was scared and identified with uh, a trauma. I want to get past that child and down to the very beginning child, the child who says, I'm really okay. I came here in peace and I know peace. And we can find that child. And very often we find that person through, through meditation. Very often we find it underneath some big fear. Very often we find it underneath some pain. You cry and cry and you're filled with sorrow. And then when you get through the, the sorrow, there's this amazing peace. Oh, here I am in my body and I'm okay. So that is how we heal. As long as we hold on to the old identity, we're not going to heal because the whole identity is also holding on to the abuse and the trauma. But we will heal when we begin to, to, uh, be, feel what the, what's really underneath the old identity, the old identity, the mask and costume and to process through that in a way that Honors it while challenging it. Honors it while challenging it. And in order to do that, we may need some professional help. We may need someone else to bear witness to our pain, to bear witness to our growth and to mirror it back to us, to bear witness to that peace when it comes, to bear witness to the face that says, yes, this is what I want to do. I want to go be a nurse and to watch that face change from solemnity to utter joy that that face needs a mirror that face needs somebody to look at it and go do do you know what i just saw on your face i saw joy and to then have that person look inside themselves and go yeah that's what joy is that's what i feel like yes that's what i know 
That is healing. Joy and peace are the healing things that we ultimately get to when we go through the what's called the negative feelings to get to the more positive uh, quote unquote positive I don't think there are any such things as negatives or positives feelings but um, since those terms are so widely used I'll use them too here uh, to, to, to the more well rounded feelings of peace and joy it's a journey and it is a hero's journey we have to be brave enough to walk with the feelings we've been running from for a whole lifetime but when we do it the payoff is that we get to find the, the silver chalice. We get to find the me that's been lost in there under the masks and costumes, under the role that I've played all these years and thought was who I was. But now, lo and behold, I find out that's not who I was at all. I'm somebody completely different. And I'm somebody who knows peace. That's healing. And there's no greater healing than that. Okay? So that's how we, how, how we, what, what I wanted to say today about healing and trauma and, uh, abuse. And I wanted to, I want to tell you we're going to be talking again more in the future about this. We've got some other shows already in the works, uh, to deal, help us deal with trauma and identity. And, uh, so we'll be back with that later. Um, next week, remember, uh, Don Miguel Ruiz is coming, uh, to talk about that, uh, Amazing challenge that we now have to awaken the giant within us. So stay tuned for that next week. And remember, your job, should you choose to accept it, is to give birth to yourself. Thanks again for listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Join us again next Wednesday afternoon at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern Time here on the 7th Wave Network. We'll talk again next week.